Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table he will satisfy. Taste of His goodness, find what you're looking for. Oh God, so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. Anybody else? His love is good. His love is great. Is always there for us. I'm thankful this morning, as it says in 1 John 5, that anything we ask for, according to God's will, 
he hears us, and if he hears us, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So this morning, this week, I've been reminded of that because this morning as we gather, we have the ability, because of Jesus, because of his love for us and his sacrifice for us and his making a way to the Father for us, we have the right and the ability to say to God, we, we need from you. Lord, we want more of you and less of us. We want whatever it is that you want for us, we want that. According to your will, Lord, let it be done in our lives. So this morning, as we worship, as we draw near to the Lord, let's do it with that in mind. Let's do it that way and say, God, whatever your will is, that's what I want. Whatever you want for me, that's what I want. Even if it's hard, even if it's the thing that I couldn't possibly do on my own, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. Can we all do that this morning? God, we just pray and we give you our hearts now. We surrender our will to yours, Lord. We're returning to repentance. We come humbly to your presence, Lord Jesus. All that matters now is you. Oh, we lay down our agendas, all our burdens and offenses, Lord Jesus. All that matters now is you. Oh, all that matters now is you. Christ is our portion. Christ, our devotion. Christ is the center of our
are Lord of this house. You're the first and you're the only in the midst of a sound. You are holy, you are worthy. Christ is our portion. Christ, our devotion. Christ is the center of our life. We sing it to you. He is our obsession. He is our confession. Christ is the center of our life. Let's pray this together. As for me, as for me. And this house, we will serve you, glorify you. Let it be in this house that we love you and obey you. You are Lord, you are Lord of this house. You're the first and you're the only in the midst of us now. You are holy, you are worthy. Christ our devotion. Christ is the center of our lives. He is our obsession. He is our confession. Christ is the center of our lives. May it be true. So that you would be our obsession and our confession, and that our entire lives would revolve around you. Not our desires, not our thoughts, Lord, but yours. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, now I trust him, how I proved him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, pray. 
precious Jesus, all for grace to trust in Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust Him more. All for grace to trust Him is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest phrase, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone Darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stony gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within. moments, I just invite you to bow your head, close your eyes, bow before the Lord, either physically or in spirit, and just offer to him all of your worship, all of your heart this morning. Tell him he's your foundation, your cornerstone. we do commit to you this morning. We want to be a living sacrifice of worship to you, holy and pleasing to you, Lord. This is our reality, that we live in the shadow of the cross. We live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are not made of just ourselves, but of your Spirit's work in us. And Lord, we just bow to you this morning, remembering that you're the one that matters most. 
And we lift you up, Lord, and we ask you to help us to be faithful to what you're calling us to do, who you're calling us to be. Shape us and make us, Lord. You're our cornerstone. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in righteousness alone. Faultless to stand. Faultless to stand before the throne. We stand before your throne, Lord. You are a cornerstone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through that storm. join me in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have, we have the opportunity this morning to enjoy your presence. We thank you for this family of believers and the opportunity to love each other. We thank you, Lord, for the community you have placed us in and the opportunity that we have to bless our neighbors. May we seek more and more of you, Jesus, in our lives so that your light can shine brightly to those around us and draw them to yourself. Lord, may we notice the needs around us here in our community and far away. And may we respond according to your leading to meet those needs. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be open to learn more about you and your ways through all that will be shared today. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, good morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here with you this morning. Um, our mission here at Mount Joy Mennonite is to enjoy God, love each other, and bless our neighbors. 
and I'm glad to be part of that with you. So I've been invited to share for a few moments about my recent trip um, to the 1040 window. And so uh, it's hard to summarize it in, in just a few moments, but I've prepared some bullet points, and I'm going to read them so I don't get too far astray. Uh, definitely it will take more time to unpack, you know, all of that happened spiritually, emotionally, physically. Um, so much was learned and experienced. Uh, I also want to just take a moment to thank you for your prayers and support. Uh, many of you have been praying. Many of you have been following along with the pictures and uh, posts that we've been making. Um, and so truly um, grateful for the prayers, words of encouragement, financial support, all of it. Um, so here are just seven bullet points of things that we experienced um, in, the, in the four months that I was away. Um, there was a three-day workshop presented at a church for about 300 attendees. Um, this was the workshop called Your Story Could Be the Key. Uh, there was a half-day version of that same workshop presented at a church uh, for about 100 people in Nepal. Uh, there was a class that I started taking. Um, this was something to do for myself, to equip myself, and it's a class on the biblical basis for healing. Uh, I'm, I've got two more weeks to go in that class, so I'm finishing that up. Um, I also took time to create a workbook uh, on the topic, Weapons of a Humble Warrior, and uh, published that book so that it could be printed and brought over to uh, Hope Family Home when we shared that topic with them. Uh, and then there was another book that I worked on, another project um, called Benny the Bear Cub. Um, I was able to finish that up as a children's book. And um, then my husband, Pat, arrived January 20. Uh, we were able to be there for our son, Jabaston's wedding, which was January 24th. And I'm grateful that I was able to be there to help with some of the planning and preparations for that. Um, and then at Hope Family Home, we presented the uh, Weapons of a Humble Warrior workshop that was over the course of five mornings. And then a larger team from um, here and another church uh, joined us, and uh, that was led by Chanel Neff, and uh, they provided all kinds of other things during the week, snacks and crafts and other activities, um, devotions and prayer in the evenings. Um, so it was a really amazing week, and there's so much we could share. Um, most importantly, uh, we saw how God took our small efforts all along the way. Um, I like to think of it as our fishes and loaves. It's We give what we have, and he does so much more with it than we could even imagine. Uh, we heard testimonies of physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. We saw people's hope renewed, and we saw people's faith strengthened. Definitely we'll schedule a time to share more with you, um, more of the details and logistics and things, um, but for now, if you have questions, feel free to message me, or you can write it on your connection card. Uh, which is in the seat pocket in front of you. Um, this connection card is also a way for us to connect with you with what God's doing 
in your life and what he's doing here among us and how we can connect those two, right? So please do uh, fill that out. And uh, if you are new today, if the you're visiting for the first time, please stop by our Welcome Center. We have a gift for you there. And uh, the connection cards can be placed in the boxes or stations, giving stations, um, where you can securely drop those things off. Um, and we thank you so much for your continued giving to the Lord. Uh, there's a highlight coming up uh, March 9th. There is an equipping class called Love and Lead. And this is, again, I, uh, March 9th. It's a Saturday. It's from 9 to 12 p.m. And it'll be in room 114 and 117. Pastor Josh and Pastor Joel are going to be leading that interactive class. Um, they're going to be sharing practical tools on how to reach your neighbors, coworkers, and even strangers <laughs> with the gospel. So you can contact Josh if you have questions. And if you'd like to save a seat, you can do that online uh, on the homepage of our website. Um, and you'll see that there's a link for the Love and Lead event. And uh, now I would like to read the scripture passage for this morning, and so I invite you to turn there with me. It's Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Amen. So now, uh, please welcome Pastor Joel as he shares with us from God's word. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to preach from back here this morning. How would you like this? Got to get our table moved up there to the front. So, yeah, we're continuing our series. We started last week, our series on blessed. I kind of gave you an overview of blessed last week. And uh, so today we're going to talk about that beginning with prayer, beginning with prayer. So what's it look like to bless our neighbors? Uh, when we bless our neighbors, we begin with prayer. We listen well. We eat together, we serve in love, and we share our story, okay? So we'll be going through those different practices the next couple weeks, and I know in one of our Next Step classes, we've been doing that and going through that kind of progression, but we're starting today with this whole idea of beginning with prayer, and Jesus was our model for beginning with prayer, wasn't he? I mean, even before Jesus started his earthly ministry, he uh, went off and prayed. He went off and prayed. He had 40 days. He had the showdown in the desert with Satan, right? So he begins with prayer. Before he even begins ministering, he is going off and he is praying, okay? And then we notice before he selects his first disciples in Luke 6, 12 through 16, we see him spending a whole night in prayer. He's pulling an all-nighter in prayer to decide and to work with the Father on who the first followers will be called out, 
So Jesus begins his ministry what? With prayer. So let's just say this. Let's just say this together. Let's begin with prayer. One, two, three. Let's begin with prayer. And let prayer permeate all of our blessings that we want to give to our neighbors. Now, Wednesday was Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is an opportunity to what? Rekindle your connection with the love of your life. If you forgot about that, or you just this morning got the news from me that Wednesday was Valentine's Day, you missed it by a few days, you might be able to do a little makeup on that, okay? Maybe, okay? But it's a time to rekindle our love. And when we begin with prayer, prayer is a way to rekindle our relationship, our faith in God and what He's doing. Jesus used prayer all the time to kindle that relationship between He and the Father. You know, He's putting another log in the fire. He's cupping His hands and He's blowing on that fire. Through prayer, He's conversing with the Father. The Father's conversing with Him. And we just had read for us in Matthew 9, 35, how Jesus is out ministering the gospel of the kingdom. And I noticed three different things from this passage that he does that are informed by his prayer life and the prayer life of the disciples. So I think we can learn something about this. That beginning with prayer rekindles at least three things in us. And during this time of transition in your church family, in this time of taking a next step, in this time of learning how to take a next step and blessing our neighbors together, it's really important that we do that by following God's lead, by beginning with prayer. The first thing I see is this. Jesus begins with prayer, and when we begin with prayer, it rekindles our hope. It rekindles our hope. It says in this past scripture, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He was teaching in the synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus was bringing hope. Amen? The hope of the kingdom. The kingdom of God that would change the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom that is overall and overreaching from the beginning of time till the end of time. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he's demonstrating it in at least three ways. He's teaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's helping people understand what does it look like to be like somebody who's in the kingdom. What do kingdom people look like? What are their characteristics? And then he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And in preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he's pushing back the powers of darkness. And preaching is always a way of exclaiming, the kingdom is here. It's not fully yet, but it will come in all of its fullness. And so Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom is here in him. And then he was demonstrating the reconciling, healing work of the kingdom by healing people around him, touching them and healing them. So three different ways he's demonstrating the kingdom, preaching, teaching, he's healing. And the good news of the gospel of the kingdom is this, is that God made everything in the beginning beautiful and whole. Amen? It was under his kingdom reign. But then there was a break in that because of sin and rebellion through Adam. And we have that Adamic sin nature in us, right, that pushes back against God. So sin broke the beautiful and good reign of God. 
But then Jesus comes and his life, his death, his resurrection is a rescue and restoration plan for the kingdom of God. One day, we'll all, everything will be rescued. Everything will be restored. Read the book of Revelation. And you see this ultimate word. We see Jesus standing. And what's he say? Behold, I'm making everything new. I love that passage of Scripture. I can almost see the grin on Jesus' face when he says, Behold, look, everything's new. Everything's complete. The reign of God is now complete again as it was in the beginning before the fall, before the cross. Our problem is, is that we lose hope sometimes because we live in this beautiful yet broken between time. Amen? We live in the in-between, in between the time where the rain was fully there and the rain is fully coming of the king, but we live in this broken it's beautiful sometimes, but it's broken. It was almost like we were talking about the sunshine this morning coming through the windshield. Beautiful sunshine, but the broken part of the sunshine is it's blinding you, and you're almost driving off the road. So it's a beautiful thing, but it's not fully there yet, right? And when we live in that beautiful and broken between, sometimes we can stop praying. Sometimes... We can forget that there's hope in the coming king. In his book, Blessed, John and Dave Ferguson, they're two brothers. They give three reasons why people don't pray. They say, number one, people say, I'm too busy. Just too much is going on in my life. I'm moving. Uh, some people say, I don't know how. But some people say this, I doubt it works. And there's times in our life where we probably wouldn't say, if I took a survey on prayer this morning, you probably wouldn't say you doubt it works. But there have been times in your life where you've prayed for something or about something or for somebody or for a certain situation, and it didn't seem to change. And maybe there were times of doubt that seeped in. And you needed to begin to what? Release that doubt back to God and prayer again and receive his hope his hope. In his, uh, in his book uh, about prayer, Paul Miller says this. He says that we can defeat the cynicism of prayer in our life by beginning to become childlike again. In chapter 9 of his book, A Praying Life, he says this. He says that uh, to be cynical is to be distant while offering this kind of false intimacy of being in the know. Criticism actually destroys intimacy. It leads to a creeping bitterness in our soul that can deaden and even destroy our spirit. So there are times in our life where we're standing back, we're looking at life, right? And we see all these things that are going on that are not of the kingdom. They're the broken parts, right? And it devastates our soul. And we stand back and we begin to take those things in, criticize those things. We, we take in newsreel after newsreel after newsreel. If you don't think that we live in a broken between, just watch the news for five minutes today. It will convince you that we're living in broken days and broken times. And the challenge of living in the beautiful between is holding on to hope there. And so... In his book, Paul Miller says this. He says, if we do a couple of things here, 
we can begin to learn how to pray again. He says, number one, uh, be warm, but wary. Be warm, but wary. In other words, be warm toward God, but wary toward this world. So be wise, right? Wisdom. Then he says, learn how to have hope again. He talks about that, but the one that I want to really focus in on here is cultivate a childlike spirit in prayer, an expectant spirit, a childlike spirit in prayer. Just about every evening, our son will FaceTime us. Our son lives in Erie with his wife, Karen, and our grandson, Ezekiel. So Ezekiel's not quite two years old. He'll be two years old in April. But just about every night, at some point, we get this FaceTime call, and there's little curly-haired Ezekiel. And Ezekiel has childlike faith. He thinks he can jump tall buildings in a single bound. And I'll say to him, can you, can you count to 10 for Poppy? One, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. Gets it. And we applaud him, right? Everything we do, we applaud, yeah, yeah. And then he runs around the house, and we watch him running around the house. Because we don't live around the corner from him, so we love these nightly visits. But what I really enjoy about him is I leave that time, and I feel like my spirit is raised up. I have hope because I've been with a little guy who what? Everything's bright on his horizon. Amen? Everything's bright on his horizon. Now, I'm not saying we should not have wisdom about what's going on in our world. What I'm saying is we should begin with prayer. We need to return to prayer. When our hope seems to be ravaged, we need to come back to pray and cultivate that childlike spirit that says God's at work. Where's he working? What's he doing? How can I join him? He's a good God. He's a reigning God. He will reign fully. I'm living in a broken time. How can I look through by the power of the Holy Spirit in prayer what God is doing and join Him in His work? I said earlier, to be cynical is to be distant like that. But whenever we let go of that cynicism in prayer, God can come and help us see something different. And to begin to pray for our neighbors and our neighborhood and pray for the people around us and pray for ourselves. Miller says this in his book, the cure for cynicism is to become like a little child again. Instead of critiquing others' stories, watch the story our Father is weaving. Look for the story our Father is weaving. And as you cling to the shepherd in prayer, that fog of cynicism begins to lift. Amen? Cling to the shepherd in prayer. And the fog of cynicism lifts. God restores our hope when we pray first, when we pray like a child. It's no wonder that Jesus, when he taught the disciples how to pray, started out like this. What? Our Father who art in heaven. Can you say that? Our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. What? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. What? Amen. Amen? There's a reason that Jesus said, reach up to the Father and ask for the kingdom to come. Ask for yourself to be a manifestation of the kingdom. Let it build hope in you. When we pray again, it builds hope in us that God is at work. And we can trace his hand in our lives, our neighbor's lives. How is he working? And we join him in his work of restoring all things. In the blessed book, John and Dave Ferguson say this, there are lots of reasons that we don't pray, but I'm challenging you. If you want to change your neighborhood and change your world, you have to begin with prayer. Let's read this out loud together. There are lots of reasons why we don't pray, but I'm challenging you. If you want to change your neighborhood, if you want to change your world, you have to begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Beginning with prayer, number two, rekindles our compassion. Rekindles our compassion. I want us to look at this next passage of Scripture, this verse of Scripture, Matthew 9, 36, where it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want us to, if you guys can pull up that next slide, it should be the next one. And I want us to stop and do our pause, ask, reflect, and yield, our pray pattern with this, okay? I want us just to look at this for a minute. So just pause. Read that verse to yourself slowly. Then ask God any question you have about this passage of Scripture, this verse. Then reflect on that. And then just yield yourself to God. I don't know why you guys expect me to preach an effective message on prayer when I can't even spell the word properly. <laughs> Did you notice I got it out of order up there? <laughs> we'll get it back in order. It'll just take a couple of weeks. <laughs> P-R-A-Y, right? So that pause, then reflect, and then ask, and then yield to God. Do that. But as I was looking at this passage of Scripture this week, and I was studying it and looking what Jesus is like, and I noticed that hope that he brings and that compassion it brings, I, I just was reflecting on this, and I was like, wow. Jesus is bringing the kingdom. He's doing all this work. And suddenly he looks out. He sees the masses. He's been teaching them. This is what kingdom people look like. He's proclaiming the kingdom and pushing back the power of darkness. He's reaching out. He's healing them. He's pulling them into the kingdom. And he stops and he notices something about them. That the culture around them is ravaging their souls. And he has great compassion upon them. 
He saw them harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. If Jesus was anything, he was full of compassion. When we start to pray for our community and our neighbors and people around us, we will be compassionate toward them. We'll be broken like Jesus was toward them. We'll see that they're harassed like sheep without a shepherd. We'll see like Jesus did in their mind's eye the plight of sheep without a shepherd. Because the plight of sheep without a shepherd is what? Is this. Jesus knows that people without a shepherd are without anything to eat and are in danger of being eaten alive. A sheep without a shepherd did not know where to eat. A sheep will not know where to eat. It won't know where to go, to graze, to feed, whatever. Jesus saw them as a sheep without a shepherd. They don't know where to feed. They don't know how to get food. They're malnourished. They don't know how to come to me. They don't know how to come to God. And they're also in danger of what? Being eaten alive by a wild animal. A sheep would have been. So Jesus sees both of these things when he looks at them. They have no place to go for nourishment. And they might be the next meal of the culture around them. That's pounding them beating them up and putting them in danger. When we pray for our neighbors, we need to pray for our neighbors with compassion. Lord, does my neighbor have daily bread from you? Lord, are there things coming against my neighbors that they need your protection? They need a good shepherd. And so Jesus has compassion upon them. Jesus calls us to our knees to pray first, to have compassion, to care about those that are around us. You see, praying not only transforms the people outside of us, it what? It transforms us. It transforms us. When I pray for you, it transforms me. The Holy Spirit sets up resonance in me. He gives me prayers to pray for you. When you pray for me, the same thing happens to you. When we pray for people that we know and we don't know, God comes in, he invades our life, he sets up, and he gives us compassion. He gives us compassion because we live in a day and a time where we don't, we're malnourished spiritually and we're in danger of being eaten alive by the culture around us. And so when we pray, we have that compassion that wells up in us. Have you ever had somebody that you either heard of later on in life or, or um, after a period of time went by and you didn't know this person was praying for you, but somehow you caught wind later on that during that time of your life, when you were going through maybe a difficult time where you were not as nourished as you needed to be and you were being attacked by life, and you found out later on, wow, someone was praying for me. Did you, did you, ever, did you ever find that out? Wow, that person. Or someone will tell you, I was praying for you back then. That's happened to me a number of times in my life. I heard a story about someone who had prayed for me before I was even born. Amazing, isn't it? His name was John Kuntz, and John Kuntz prayed for his children. He prayed for the people where he worked at the high school. 
he had gotten black lung and he couldn't work in the coal mines anymore. And so he moved into being a janitor in the high school. And he would walk those hallways. And as he scrubbed them down and mopped them down and met the different students and the people there, he would pray for them. He would come home every day and his youngest daughter, Phyllis, would look for her dad every day when she would come home. She was the youngest of nine children. She'd search around for him. She'd eventually climb the stairways to the second floor of the house, and there she would find her father, John, kneeling in prayer. And he would just say, come on over, Philly. And he'd take her hand, and she would kneel down next to him, a little child, and he would say, pray with me for a couple of minutes, and I'll give you a penny to get out of the store. Can you imagine getting a penny nowadays? But back then, you know, there was penny candy. You could get something. You could get some pretzels and candy and things like this. So she would kneel down and pray with him. And she's told me, because I never got to meet John, who prayed for me. But she's told me that he would pray for the next coming generations and their family. And he would pray for people he met that day and pray for teachers by name and people down the street and their neighbors and folks around town that he had met on his way back from school that day. And she told me that's where she learned how to pray, kneeling next to her father and taking his hand and just interceding for others. What a great word picture for us, that we learn how to pray by kneeling next to our Father, taking His hand, and praying for whoever He calls us to pray for. I never got to meet John Kuntz. He went to glory before I was ever born. He was my grandfather. Phyllis was my mother. When my mother passed away, I found her little spiral-bound prayer journals littering her apartment <laughs> in boxes stashed away here and there. These little prayer journals where she learned how to have compassion and pray with compassion for people around her, including her own family. As we learn how to pray, that's become people to dive deep into compassion. Amen? Because we know what's at stake and we know we're in danger and others are in danger in this broken yet beautiful between, but we know if Jesus comes with us, the danger is gone. That the good shepherd is here. Amen? Leading, guiding, protecting, healing, preaching, teaching the gospel of the kingdom, bringing the gospel of the kingdom through us. Prayer is like breathing. Breathing has the rhythm of inhaling and exhaling. We breathe in the oxygen that we need, and then we exhale carbon dioxide that plants need around us. It's the rhythm of inhaling and exhaling that brings life to both us and to our planet. Without oxygen, we would die. Without carbon dioxide, the green world would shrivel up and die. Prayer is the same way. We breathe in to listen to God. We need to hear His voice to sustain our spiritual life. When we breathe out a missional prayer to our neighbors, we anticipate that he will bring that spiritual life to them. Inhaling, exhaling in prayer. 
before God. Last thing I want to talk to you about this morning is beginning with prayer rekindles our calling. It rekindles our calling. Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Jesus turns to his disciples after he's giving hope, after he's showing compassion, after he's bringing the kingdom. He turns to them and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The Jesus mission was heating up, and he needed more people to be involved in that mission, joining him in that mission with his work. We call it beginning with prayer. Prayer powers us up to join that mission with Jesus, to join into his rescue plan, his restoration plan. Notice here that He turns and says to the disciples, pray that there'll be more workers. So what do you think happens when they start praying? Pray that there'll be more shepherds. What happens? They're the answer to their own prayers, amen? Often God calls us to pray for something and to pray for some need with compassion, with hope, And then he tells us, you're the answer to that prayer. You're the one I want you to step out. I just need you to do this. You don't need to do it all. This is your little part. Say this, do that. Often God will what? He will inform your prayers. He will say, pray this. Go deeper with that. He'll show you a verse of Scripture, or he'll team you up with somebody else in the body of Christ where you're praying together. And that's the power of us being called. It rekindles our calling. We're called out ones. We're called out to be light in a dark world. We're called out to begin with prayer. We're called out to be on this journey with Jesus together. We're called out to enjoy God. We're called out to love one another. We're called out to bless our neighbors. We're called out to do this what? Together together not to be sheep out there doing it on our own but coming in together ensuring up our calling jesus knew that when we began with prayer that the lord of the harvest speaks to us about our role in the harvest work missional workers for his harvest enjoy god love each other bless our neighbors Jesus has called you to that. Jesus has equipped you for that. Jesus says, begin with prayer. End with prayer. Put prayer in the middle. Bathe it in prayer. Why is that? Because we're on a supernatural journey, amen? And we need to get in touch with the fact that God is at work. Corey Ten Boom, who was a Holocaust survivor, and many of her family was not, For years, she would give testimony and be on the Billy Graham crusade. She has said this about prayer. This is a great one. Let's read this out loud together. We never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for that answer. (laughs) We never know how God's going to answer our prayers, but we can expect he'll get us involved. So if we're praying and working together, 
God will call us to do that. Work together. Don't feel like in blessing your neighbors, you've got to do it on your own. Come together. I love sitting in the blessed class and hearing about people uh, praying together, talking together, planning together, how they together can be a blessing to their neighbors. Now, yes, we have to individually reach out to our neighbors, but hey, my group's going to do this. Hey, we're going to do this together. Hey, we thought of this or God impressioned on us to do that. I think it's great because they're hearing from God in prayer and they're doing it together to bless their neighbors. I want to ask you in the conclusion here, just a couple of questions about prayer. Because I find that prayer is very challenging for me. What do you find is the most challenging thing in your life about prayer? Second one, what have you found prayer to be the most helpful thing in your life? Something to encourage you. Who might God be calling you to team up with in prayer? To be encouraged in prayer, okay? And then the last one, what neighbors might God be prompting you to pray for? Are they co-workers? Are they neighbors around the block? Are they families on your kids' sport team? Are they business owners that you network with? Maybe it's the staff at your favorite coffee shop or restaurant. I've heard some of you mention that. Who is it that God is calling you to pray for? And who together will you join with to pray for those people? So that the kingdom come and His will is done on earth as it is in heaven in their life. So that the kingdom reign of Jesus not only comes over us, but comes over the community of Mount Joy. Jesus is still working. Do you realize that today, Jesus is out through the power of the Holy Spirit, He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom over this community. He's teaching people what the kingdom looks like. He's bringing healing and restoration. His spirit is alive and well. We need to get in touch with him and the work that he's doing. Join him in his work of blessing our neighbors. I want us just to end with this word of prayer. I'll pray it and you can follow along with my words. Jesus, teach us how to begin with prayer. As we pray, rekindle our hope, our compassion, and our calling. Please come, Jesus, and transform us, our neighborhoods, and our neighbors with the power of the gospel. Our desire is to enjoy you, to love each other, to bless our neighbors for your glory. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Joel. Such a great reminder um, to begin with prayer. I know for myself, many times, it's not my first response when uh, something happens in my life that's unexpected or not what I wanted. Uh, and so it's such a good reminder that um, prayer truly is the foundation of our relationship with him and the only starting point <laughs> that's effective. After the service today, 
which is right about now. <laughs> we have some um, hot drinks in the lobby. Uh, and so you can make your way there and enjoy those. Um, also, as I said earlier, if it happens to be your first time visiting with us, um, please do stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you there. Uh, our next steps classes today are at 1030, so you have oh, a decent amount of time here to uh, enjoy some fellowship before those get started. And uh, the kids are down the, uh, the wing in this direction, and the adult classes are in the other direction. Um, the senior high next steps class is not happening since they're on a retreat. Uh, if anyone would like prayer this morning, I would be happy to pray with you. Um, just come and see me. Let me know how I can pray for you. Uh, and so I want to close with this benediction from Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen.